This is something I've only begun to understand. This is something I've only in part lived in my life. When I consider how God should look at me and the times I've been selfish rather than selfless, how could God ever love someone like me? See, love is something that will last. When these bodies that have failed to love are in their graves, the love of God endures and he will take us out of our graves and we will be with our God forever and nothing will divide us. Between us and our God, there will only be love. And as the scriptures say, give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out to Rock Solid Hope and Rain Country, February 3rd, 2019, 1 Corinthians 13. If you've ever done any sort of baking, you probably know how it is when just one missing ingredient can make an entire recipe fall flat. My household has a lot of young children, so usually when we put out several scoops of oatmeal, they disappear as they devour it with complete delight. But I'm pretty sure if I would leave out just those couple scoops of sugar, it would still be just as nutritious, it would still look like oatmeal, but it would not be eaten at all. It makes a big difference, just the, the key thing that makes something acceptable, usable. Maybe some of you are this way with your coffee, whether it's cream or sugar. And to me, something like white rice is a pasty goo, but when you put a little bit of butter or salt, it becomes delicious. You get my point, right? Just dropping out something crucial can make something no longer useful or worthwhile. What about when it comes to being spiritual? Well, this morning we see there's a, a crucial aspect of what it means to be spiritual. We continue our sermon series on asking that question, what does it mean to be spiritual? And we once again look at the latter part of 1 Corinthians and we see that being spiritual involves and must involve serving with love. The Apostle Paul had spoken to us and explained for us the importance of the body of believers recognizing their various gifts and using those gifts together because we're on the same team and so we're to work together. But now we see that it doesn't matter how much one accomplishes as a team or what you do together or what you as an individual can do, but rather what's behind it all. What matters is love. The Apostle Paul helps us to see that actually without love, things that we do can be worthless. He writes, If I speak in tons of men and of angels, but have not love. I'm only a resounding gone or a cleaning symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I, gain all, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. See, the, the Corinthian Christians certainly did have a lot of these gifts. They had various gifts where they could heal people. They could do miraculous signs, prophecy, even speaking in tongues. Some of them began to boast in some of these gifts. 
But Paul flat out says, those gifts, as you use them, end up being worthless if they're not used with love. So it is in the church today. God's given us various gifts to work together, but if not for love, they can be worthless. It doesn't matter whether you're the most gifted professor at the seminary, the senior pastor, the brightest student of your class, the best Christian teacher, or perhaps a lifelong member of a conservative church body that that knows the Bible from end to end. If you don't speak God's word in love, it's all for nothing. And it doesn't matter if you're a parent who gives your child everything they need, provides food, gives them fancy clothes, a nice home. If you don't show your child love, all that is worthless. Or even if you were to give everything that you have to help the poor and to volunteer all of your time and yourself, if you do it without love, Paul says, it's not worth anything. Now you and I might say, well, isn't that loving? Isn't it loving to give of yourself, whether it's your your words or your time, to give people what they need? Paul's saying it's not what you do, what you accomplish that matters, but what's behind it. What's the reason you do it and what drives you to do it and how do you do it? As we look at this description that Paul has here, This is not just simply from a human perspective. This is the way that God sees the gifts of love and God sees our accomplishments. As far as God is concerned, it doesn't matter what you do. It's how you do it and is there love behind it. For example, if you're serving as a pastor and you you don't have a lot of gifts and maybe you're not the smartest person, in God's estimation, If you do that in love for those under your care, that's greater than the best preacher in the world. And if you're a parent that maybe can't provide your children with everything, but you speak and you act around them and you show them love, that's greater than any parent can give any gift to their child. And if you serve, even if your service is a very small thing, such as a scoop of oatmeal for a child or changing a diaper, if it's done in love, In God's estimation, that has value. It's not what you do, but why you do it. And so as we look at this gift of love, we need to remember what we do and accomplish as a congregation, no matter if we have full attendance, a large budget, or anything, this must be behind it, love. You know, I'm going to be running a race in just under two weeks, It's a race that is over 200 miles and it goes for a duration of over 24 hours. And it's a relay race with half marathon lengths about for each runner. And it's a race where I'm on a team with several other runners. There's 12 of us on a team. And we're to run and through the night and into the morning and pass on the the baton or bracelet as we continue this run. Takes a lot of teamwork. As I was looking at the various rules for this race, I found some pretty striking things. And that's that if just one of the runners on our team decides that they're going to break the regulations or rules of the race, or just one person during one part of one of their races decides they're not going to wear the required safety gear, everything's disqualified. That is, all the other team members for all the hours of running and all their work and all the efforts, no matter how far they've gone, even if they're in first place, 
It's all nothing. It's disqualified because they didn't follow the rules. That's the way it is with God's church and the important, crucial thing of love in all we do. It doesn't matter whether our church is accomplishing the greatest programs or whether our congregation is serving many people. It just takes one failure to show love and everything done that morning, everything spoken to that person ends up for nothing. It takes one mean glare from somebody who lost patience for some message of the gospel to be lost and not heard. Love, you see, as Paul says, is vital for the church, vital for us and each every one of us as we serve. So if love is so vital, it's probably important to figure out what is love. Paul goes on to define it for us as he gives probably one of the most beautiful descriptions ever given of love. He says, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it is not, does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know, when we, when we look at this listing of love, doesn't that kind of make us see just how far we fall short in our understanding of what love really is and in our living in love? Love is patient. One's last time that someone didn't meet your expectations or demands and you started to lose patience with them. Love does not lose patience. Love is kind. Is your interest and concern about the needs of others or is it sometimes your concern that comes first? Love does not boast. It is not proud. Why do you do what you do? Is it sometimes because you want others to think good of you? Or is it simply because you want others to have what they need? Love is very humble. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first concern on your mind? And why do you set your goals for the day? Is it centered around what you need and your plans for the day? Or is it centered around the needs of others? Love is not self-seeking. Love seeks the concerns and interests of others. Love is not easily angered. Maybe you can think back to the last time someone forgot to take out the garbage or left their dirty laundry on the floor for you to pick it up. How much does it take for us sometimes to lose our cool and to become angry and upset? Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Sure, we'll say, I forgive you. But then don't we sometimes write that down somewhere, stick it in our pocket, and wait for the chance to bring out that list of those times someone failed us. Love doesn't do this. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Aren't there times when maybe just maybe we like it when somebody we don't like or somebody that's bothered us has to suffer something. Love doesn't enjoy that. Love rejoices, loves enemies, and delights in truth. Love always protects. Ever gossiped? Love always trusts. 
Ever failed to give someone the benefit of the doubt? Love always hopes, always perseveres. Ever been so fed up with your situation or somebody else that you just gave up? Love endures. You know, when, when we look at this list of love, the way that it's described for us, one can only stand back and say, this is something I've only begun to understand. This is something I've only, in part, lived in my life. When I consider how God should look at me and the times I've been selfish rather than selfless, how could God ever love someone like me and love the loveless? See, when I begin to think these thoughts, I've not only understood, begun to understand what love is, but I've missed what the scriptures describe God is. See, God is described too as love. God is love. God never fails. God is so kind and loving with us. In kindness, he gave us life. In kindness, he gives us what we need, our daily bread, and protects us and cares for us day after day. God is so patient. And God gives us just what we need. And in great humility, God stooped down to meet us with our needs. God was not easily angered or self-seeking when he devised the plan to love us, the loveless. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You know that God could remove every selfish desire, every loveless act from us. God devised a plan to show love and was motivated by love to carry out something amazing. Love always protects, always perseveres. There is God giving his son to this world in love. That's love. And there is love as we see the son of God so, as he says, overwhelmed to the point of sorrow, to the point where any one of us would have easily given up. But as his face is down in the garden, love endures, love perseveres. And Jesus did far more than give everything he had to the poor and surrender his body. He did it in love, not demanding any payback, not ever bringing up that record of wrongs, but covering it for us freely. Love never fails. See, love is something that will last. When these bodies that have failed to love are in their graves, the love of God endures and he will take us out of our graves and we will be with our God forever and nothing will divide us. Between us and our God, there will only be love. And as the scriptures say, give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. When we look at this, we begin to see what love is, but only begin. As the apostle says here, we now only understand in part. We're like one looking into a mirror. Back in his day, mirrors were imperfect metal surfaces. But someday we're going to see love in our God and understand what it fully is. Right now we, we grow and we understand day by day more and more as we know our God what love really is. But it's kind of like the progression from a child who thinks like a child and reasons like a child to an adult. Someday, we will know fully. For now, we simply mature and grow in our Christian life as we begin to understand what it is to love. To love as a Christian means to keep that crucial element there. 
After all, what good would it be if you would serve and volunteer but complain behind someone's back? What what could it be if you have a, a pastor or a leader in the church who serves with all their heart but then behind the scenes complains about the people he's serving? And what about you? What maturity, what growth is there left for understanding and knowing what it is to serve with love? Ultimately, love is the only thing that will last. Love is the only thing that will endure in the end. Paul says that all these gifts, even, even knowledge, will pass away. It won't be useful. But faith, hope, love, these will continue. Do we always see love that way? Sometimes we might begin to see love as not mission critical. The focus might be for a Christian congregation or for an individual to think, I need to accomplish this, I need to get this done, and I need to have this task done, and I need to, pretty soon love gets tossed aside. Love is mission critical, though. You know, when NASA decided to send astronauts into outer space, they had to pretty much define every little aspect of their mission, from the engineering of the vessels to the spacesuits to every single aspect of their life as they were in outer space, even down to the planning of their meals. Now, they could have just given the astronauts what they needed for nutrition and for food, but they were insightful enough to recognize, even though everything they threw into that vessel was critical, that you needed to include more than just food. But it needed to be food that would be eaten by the astronauts so that they could stay strong and healthy and so that the mission could be accomplished. And so what most of us would probably consider not mission critical, they did. Chocolate pudding. And so you might picture that as, well, that's not necessary. If we have to get someone in outer space, we don't need that. But for those astronauts that at first spent weeks and now spend months, chocolate pudding is mission critical. So it is with love. For everything the Christian church, for everything that you and I do, including love behind it and being motivated and driven by love is mission critical. God's church and all that we do is done with that in mind. And you know, you don't have to go to the moon to accomplish something great. God came down from heaven to love us and to share his love. And by that, and in that love, we now serve one another. And it's not what you do or what you accomplish, whether it's a simple word of encouragement, a short visit, or even dishing out a bowl of oatmeal. What matters is love. What does it mean to be spiritual? It means to serve one another with love. Amen. <laughs>